The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Frost Haven and making boatloads of money on Kickstarter of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is worth well more than $13 million in my book. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing great. That's very kind of you to say. I'm definitely not worth more than $13 million in anyone's book, but it's nice that you said that. <laughs> and well, I'm definitely, I am definitely not worth more than $13 million in my insurance agent's book. That is for sure. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many of us are. That is true. Oh, I'm more the Gloomhaven to you. You're a Frosthaven, I think, is what it is. <laughs> I'm the lower budget version of uh, this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I think you're selling yourself short. Well, very self-deprecating. <laughs> and really, if you think about it, without Gloomhaven, there could be no Frosthaven. There you go. That's one way to, so look, there, put, that's spend one way that to look at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Josh, do you want to hear something interesting? I always want to hear interesting things. So earlier this week, I got a package. <laughs> and in that package yeah. was a board game. Uh-huh. And I messaged you, Josh, and I said, Josh, did you get me a board game? And then you played very coy. And then you finally relented. <laughs> by saying yes. <laughs> by saying yes. Well, you asked first if there was a note. Yeah. And I said no. There, there was, was no supposed note. to be a note. <laughs> yeah, there was no note. So that's fine. So thank you very much for Quacks of Quidlinburg. Mm. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. For those of you who are not patrons, uh, on board with everything, we had been kind of doing a little quiz contest thing the last few episodes, uh, and I had been victorious in that over our guests. Uh, so as a result, Josh bought me a board game, which I appreciate very, very much. But Josh, remember how I asked you about the duplicate? Yes. Okay, so here's the weird thing, right? I got the box. The box said duplicate package on it, and I got an envelope from my post office that said, hey, you owe postage for another box that is sitting at our post office. Oh, can I guess? Was it unbroken? It was not unbroken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was another copy of Quacks of Quedlinburg. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I now have two copies nice. of Quacks of Quedlinburg. So I think, Josh, it's only appropriate that we have some sort of contest to give away this other copy. Oh. Does that seem reasonable? That's very nice of you to do that. So I next week's show, we will have a contest that we will have for giving away a brand new copy of Quacks of Quedlinburg. I opened it up, looked at it, and said, hey, this is pretty cool. I'm excited <laughs> I have the game. I don't really need two copies of it. So I kept the box and everything just so I could easily ship it to someone else. Nice. Because Cool Stuff does a really nice job of packaging their things. Yeah. So That is weird. Yeah, so I noticed that... Um. I, I ordered something from um, Amazon, and it was shipped uh-huh. by Miniature Market. Oh, really? And I thought that was very weird, because why, like 
did they fulfill did they fulfill it also? Like I bought it on Amazon because it was cheaper than buying it on Miniature Market. And right. then Miniature Market shipped it to me. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if this is that whole situation. Have you heard about the whole like food app situation? No. Okay, so there's this thing going on about how uh and i'm see living where i live we don't have any of the delivery services it's not a thing that really exists so yeah grubhub and all that like not a thing i i interact with on a daily basis like many people do but grubhub and all these other apps and food delivery services are talking about how hey let's support restaurants by you know ordering food and we'll deliver it and all that good stuff mm. the thing is is if you order through the grubhub app you're actually paying grubhub who has signed an agreement or with the re- restaurant that you've ordered from. Yeah. And they only give them a portion of the money. Yeah. So if your meal was like $20, that restaurant might only get like seven bucks. That's crazy. So it's kind of this whole situation where you should try to do as best you can to actually order directly from the restaurant. Yeah. Because then, yeah, Grubhub and other places will still deliver it, but their overhead is so much less that that, charge isn't as big of a deal to something like that as in comparison to the restaurant who is making has the overhead of the food and the employees and all of the things and the actual building and those sorts of things so oh. i'm wondering if that was the same thing with when you ordered the game from amazon you got it for cheaper but miniature market so then miniature market's like well we got to fulfill this so i guess we're fulfilling it for less than we'd like to fulfill it for <laughs> wow yeah that's interesting yeah, I was surprised because I thought I thought you were sending me a package in return because oh. it said you have a delivery from Miniature Market. And I was like, I didn't order anything from Miniature Market. <laughs> I well, opened up my re- my account, no orders, and I was right. like, Is it Kicks? Is it Keyforge? Do they resend me Keyforge? So yeah, so that's interesting. So I guess they sent cool stuff via that Amazon package. So is that is that is that where you got unmatched from? Was that? I got a match through um, actually through uh, Mondo's website because oh, it was okay. more expensive on Amazon. Gotcha. Look at all these things, all these games that we're getting. It's crazy. Yeah, I got so many. It games. is. It, it is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but like I said, so next week for sure we will have some sort of contest uh, about getting winning a copy of Quacks of Quedlinburg. Josh has talked about it on the show previously. My goal is to play it prior to next week's show so we can talk about it even more then uh but we will have some contest where you can win the game but you know it's a spiel to see ours winner so we could I even skype probably... play that that would be an easy game to play over Ooh. skype that is true that is something we could definitely do so any other uh shenanigans you want to talk about before we jump into the show i don't think so awesome all right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Josh, you get the first topic of the show. Kick us off. What do you bring into the table? Hey, so before we do my topic topic, I just thought I would talk briefly about a couple of games i was playing that they That sounds great. They're new so i think it's relevant. Um uh it's look at me transitioning to pc gaming and i still don't have 
my PC, my new PC, which has been uh, a very crazy story, which I guess I'll save for another time. <laughs> Wait, I was going to say, I thought you were supposed to have it by now. Yeah, it actually still hasn't shipped, and so far, Amazon Payments has uh, charged me uh, over $2,000 on a $200 uh, purchase. Um, what for the payments i guess what happens is they they put the order through to one of their distribution centers they put a pending charge in your account when the distribution center says they don't have it available they go to the next one and then they charge you again oh my goodness so in this, in the process of a week they charged me four times on my debit card and then when it was declined for the fifth time they used my backup credit card and charged me three times on my credit card, which caused Frosthaven to decline. And oh my god! It's been insane, and I've talked to three different people, and I've been lied to by two different people, including the last person who told me yesterday it is now shipped, and it still has not shipped, and then it recharged my debit card again. So I am wow. very angry with Amazon right now. Um, and I found out, like... The only way to get something from Amazon is by tweeting your complaint because talking directly to them has got me nothing. So there will be photos of conversations and even an email they sent me if I don't have any word by Tuesday uh, on That's interesting <laughs> because I have gotten – I've basically only ever interacted with their their customer service via email. Yeah. And I have always gotten something. Yeah. See, like <laughs> even when I called out the fact that – they can view my past conversations and right. that I was lied to about my order being shipped. The girl said, oh, I'll I'll make sure to talk to my boss so this person can get trained on how to correct. I'm like, okay, that's it. <laughs> so, great. And then she just did the same thing and lied to me right after that. So, it's been fun. <laughs> Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> uh, what, what I am here to talk about is I have been playing a lot of PC games, uh, mostly because I've had... Um, a pretty good amount of time to play with uh, Lucas from PSVG mm-hmm. Prime and Flexibose. So I'm not certain what the other podcast is, but PSVG Prime, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean they're always talking about how they're ending it, so who who, who knows? Um, so first off, I, I've jumped into Gears Tactics in a big way. Um, I really kind of just wanted to check it out, uh, and the first like opening to the game mm-hmm. is very difficult. Um, I think I died like four times, maybe more, because it is a tactics game, so you have to be very careful about your decision making and like right. I'll click, you can't take that back. You move a guy somewhere, True. that's it. He is moving there. <laughs> and if you didn't realize that there's four locusts and three grubs there, you're out of luck. You right. can't take that back. And then if he dies, then that's just it. I would say after that first opening mission. The curve like flattens a little bit, not to mm-hmm. use our current pandemic terminology, <laughs> right. um, but it kind of it kind of evens out the difficulty. So all the missions after that um, are like a, a little easier, but that could just be me understanding the game a little bit better. Uh, right. My really, my really, my only uh, history with tactics games that I've actually fully played is like. Uh, Mario X Rabbids and mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Tactics, which are two. Uh, Mario Rabbids is closer to this. Final Fantasy Tactics right. totally different, um, just as far as like gear and weapons and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. However, um, since that, I put a, a lot of time into Gears Tactics. There is an insane amount of customization. Um, it looks great on my PC, which is not like a high end rig. And hopefully, like hopefully, when my new one comes in, if it ever does, uh, <laughs> there's a cool thing. It does bench. You can do a benchmark in the main menu. So oh, I took cool. a screenshot of my benchmark on this computer. I'll do the same on the new one just to see how much better it runs. Right. Um, but if you're a fan of tactics or if you're a fan of gears um, or curious about both, this is like a super easy recommendation. It is incredibly fun. Uh, it's challenging, but not too challenging after you get through, for me at least, after you get through that tutorial. Um, and I've just been having a blast. There's so many different ways to tackle a mission, you have a roster of up to nine gears that you can have and you take four with you. So you can mm-hmm. you can mix up your team all the time. Usually there's like one or two required people that have to go on a mission. Um, but I fought a Brumac last night. If you know gears, you know oh, very cool. what those are. And it was a very challenging and long fight, but um, I came out victorious. Nice. Um, so that was great. Uh, I highly recommend Gears Tactics. Can I ask you a couple of questions quick? Of course, please. How far are you into it? Because I've heard the campaign is like forty hours. That's awesome. I'm. I just got to Act Two or Chapter Two. Okay. But I think Chapter Yeah Chapter Two. What What would you say is inside? Is a chapter inside an act or an act inside a chapter? A chapter's inside an act. I would say. Okay, so I'm an Act Two. I think the first chapter had like the first act had like eight or nine or ten chapters. Mm-hmm. Um. Typical of like a Gears game, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. And like I said, I don't know if that's accurate. That's just what someone else I heard sure. say that the campaign pushed 40 hours. And that's a lot of content, especially for a tactics game. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see like there's the story is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. I could see them like they're trying. It definitely weaves into Gears story. Right. Um and the pre-order bonus is like you get Coltrane as a character once you hit um, Act well, Chapter Four in Act okay. One. So I already I unlocked him. I haven't used him yet. Um, so there's definitely character familiarity as well. Um, but so far, he's the only character that I recognize from the Gears stories, except for the bad guys. Okay, I was gonna say that was my next question. Is that I thought I had heard that it's all new characters basically, and that seems to be the case. Yeah, essentially, uh, every everyone's new. Yeah. Okay, and then how do you think this is going to translate to controller down the line? Because obviously just the PC game right now, which is yeah. very cool to see Microsoft's commitment to big, beefy PC gaming. Uh, but they said this is coming to Xbox. So how do you think this will transition to controller? I think it'll be fine. It's not like a typical RTS. I think it's okay. more feasible with a controller. Um, you know, there's there's uh, uh, even using the mouse and keyboard using like to, to turn the screen and stuff that would be very easy on a controller with the mm-hmm. analog stick in fact i could try the next time i play and use my xbox controller and see how 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 it, how it feels and i can report back on that that was gonna be my next question is if you knew it if it already had controllers yeah it does have controllers but i saw okay. i have my xbox controller my xbox one s controller plugged into my computer so i can give that a shot very cool. Thank you for answering those questions. No problemo. Also, after a night of fun antics in Grand Theft Auto 4 with Lucas, we saw people chatting in our Discord about people jumping onto the Australian Xbox Game Pass store and downloading Streets of Rage 4. 
Right. And yep. that's what we did while we were playing <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Um, he, Lucas didn't have too much time, uh, but we 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 exited Grand Theft Auto. We played probably uh, thirty minutes of Streets of Rage Four, and then the next night we played probably an hour. Um, and mm-hmm. this was a game that wasn't really on my radar. I didn't expect much from it. Um, right. I was I was a fan of the games back in the day on the Genesis. Um, it's awesome. Uh, it's short. We almost beat it our second night playing. Um, but I hear there's more replayability. There's definitely different modes, but, um, the fact that it has online co-op support is nice. Uh, it looks great. The, the music is great. It has like cell shaded, uh, Lucas compared it to like almost like the Borderlands art style, mm-hmm. um, which I 100% agree with. Um, and if you're familiar with the older streets of rage games, the levels are pretty similar. It's almost more like a remake than a new game. There's definitely familiar bad guys and levels. Um, even the map is very similar to, I think, Streets of Rage 2. Um, so it's more like an homage to that than maybe an original game. Uh, right. Where they do throw in some new characters, though. Um, but also, it's on Game Pass on Xbox and PC. So that is also a game I would definitely recommend checking out. Yeah, I was almost booted up the Xbox to play Streets of Rage 4 because it is something that seems really fun. It was a genre I liked back in the day. I think it's a genre that maybe hasn't aged amazingly. Uh, you don't get a lot of yeah. beat-em-ups anymore. <laughs> and I think there are specific reasons why. There were good things about that category of game, but they were also designed in a very specific way for a very specific reason yeah. in general. So, you know, they wanted your quarters. Well, if you want to play a co-op, let me know and I'll download it. Awesome. Like I said, I'll have to boot up Yield Xbox One X and uh, get that downloaded because I do I do want to play it. So I can download it for you right now on the phone because <laughs> it pushes right <laughs> to your console. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I think I have space. I don't even know. No, I wouldn't do that to you. I'll let you do that. Uh, yeah. So I think that's long enough. I can skip my first topic. Anyways, that can be the first topic. Okay. If you say so, we could always come yeah. if you want. Also, Humble Bundle came out swinging this month, which I'm very oh, really? excited about. So now I have finally have Jurassic Park Evolution on the PC, uh, which oh, nice. I'm glad to play it where it's appropriate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> XCOM 2 plus DLC was also a part of Humble Bundle. Oh, dang. Which okay, is that huge. Is some good stuff. Um, as well it's as a, very, a bunch of other games. Yeah, very strategy, tactic uh month of gaming here for you. Yeah, and finally, also in gaming, Hand of Fate 2 is finally on sale on the Switch. So I bought Hand of Fate 2 for 11 bucks because, and I kept wondering like am i gonna play this this is a game i right. loved hand of fate i did too um, the original was great and i've been waiting to get hand of fate too it just hasn't gone on sale on the xbox um so i saw it on the on the switch sale so i grabbed it so i hope to play that uh, and let people know how that is next week because i'm such a huge fan i even i have the board game as well on my amazon wish list to grab as well uh, ordeals cool. of fate so yeah uh how about you? Do you have any games you want to talk about that you've been playing? Um, so I probably next week, I'm thinking it'll be either two or maybe even three game reviews for me next mm. week because I am still playing Trials of Mana. I'm not as far in it as I'd like to be before I give it a full review because I'm about six hours in. Uh, and obviously playing some Quacks of Quedlinburg is the goal. Hopefully going to be playing Spirit Island as well. Nice. And then jumped actually back into Call of Duty uh, with... 
and finally played a little bit more Warzone and quite a bit of multiplayer over the last couple of days. Uh, so have some, we'll have some more impressions on all of those things coming forward, but nothing that I have played enough of where I want to give a full review to. But that's kind of all the stuff that is in rotation currently. So cool. All right, my first topic this week, Josh, is that people seem to be turning to board games during the pandemic. As Hasbro's business was up 40% in quarter one. Crazy. Um, they have said, quote, the penetration of gaming has increased substantially, which that statement makes me chuckle a little bit because yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not an adult. Because you're 12. Uh, this, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this story is from ICV2, who really does a really great job of covering games business news. And I'm really glad I stumbled upon this website in the last like month or so because, my goodness, they have some good stuff there. Uh, but this story by Milton Gripe covering, talking about um, Hasbro's business ventures. Um, and from the story, it says, quote, total gaming sales, which include the company's Hasbro gaming brand portfolio and franchise brands Magic the Gathering and Monopoly, were $340.5 million for quarter one, up 40% from $243.4 million in quarter one, 2019. So that in of itself, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of games. But I think the thing that is even more interesting was that Hasbro Gaming, all the gaming brands except Monopoly and Magic, was up 30% to 140.1 million from 107.6 million. Among the Hasbro Gaming brands account for growth were Dungeons and Dragons, The Game of Life, Jenga, and Connect 4. So if you take out Monopoly and Magic, they made 140.1 million dollars, which then if you go back to their total revenue, that means between just Magic and Monopoly, they made over or just about $200 million <laughs> just from those two properties. So, Josh, number one, surprised by the news of Hasbro just having a good quarter. And number two, does it surprise you that Magic and Monopoly are so dominant when it comes to Hasbro's business, even for comparing it to things like Dungeons and Dragons? Well... <laughs> It's funny. I'm not surprised. I think it's great. It's great news. Uh, board games make sense, especially if you're trapped in a house with somebody. Uh, you need to find some common ground. And board games is a great way to do that, depending on the mm -hmm. board game. Um, does it surprise me with Monopoly and Magic being maybe two of the most toxic and most liked <laughs> things in board gaming? No, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, it's just so <laughs> popular. Um that uh, I think it will always be that way. I think Monopoly has kind of taken, in a weird way, uh, 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 some, some notes from Magic by releasing new editions every yeah. other month or so. So there's so many different versions of all, both of these that you're... Now, I don't know what they're manufacturing compared to what they're selling, but mm -hmm. but you're you're opening up your specific market to so many more people because you're just waiting for that one person who doesn't own Monopoly to find that themed Monopoly, like Baby Yoda Monopoly. I just saw they announced yesterday from Hasbro Pulse is coming out um, with all the new Star Wars products. So now you can get Baby Yoda Monopoly and all these people, fangirl and fanboying out on Baby Yoda are going to be like, okay, maybe this will be the first Monopoly I buy. You know, they have Dungeons & Dragons Monopoly. They have, when's the Magic Monopoly coming out? I mean, right. that's got to be down the line. So, um, 
that's that's how I think Monopoly is. You know, they've had some hits and misses. Like I think I can go to any Target right now and find a hundred copies of Mrs. Monopoly in the clearance section because mm-hmm. it just didn't land. Um, but yeah, uh, they know what they're doing to an extent. And while the I don't want to call it mainstream, the board game uh community in general hates monopoly unfortunately like they're very elitist as far as that goes which i really wish they weren't um it's nice to see that it's not affecting hasbro sales uh because i hate to see that happen to any board game just because people view it as less than um that's always going to be an issue for me I, i still find that frustrating when i see people post like best board game you're playing in the quarantine but you can't say Monopoly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, well, there, there goes all the new fans in this board game group that maybe just play Monopoly. <laughs> For sure. So do you think this success is going to continue? Uh, there's, They talk about in the article how a lot of, you know, quarter one wasn't necessarily impacted by any manufacturing things, but moving forward, you know, Magic the Gathering had a new set called Ikoria, Land of the Behemoths, but they actually moved that up, the release of that up, because they were worried about printing shortages. And there there were some for the commander sets and things like that. So do you think that we're going to see a more level second quarter for them because of manufacturing, distribution, and having a harder time getting games to people? Uh, they do talk about how e-commerce in the U.S. was strong. It was up 60%. But there's so much, you know, that right now is something about 35% of their retailer locations are closed. So, you know, e-commerce in the U.S. can't make up for all of the worldwide closures that are going on. So what do you expect to see for quarter two? Continued growth or are things going to dip pretty significantly? So uh, that's a good question. Uh, They do kind of address it at the end where they say, like, China's pretty much back to normal, but most other places are not. but they do mention game uh, factories in Massachusetts, Texas, and Ireland are closed. Um, right. And some in India. In India, there's so many people. And I'm sure the factories are immense. If their supply chain isn't affected, I think they're going to see profit for the whole year over last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless, the, the what this pandemic has potentially done – is just made more people aware of the board game industry. And right. uh, that's unfortunately, I mean, something good came, comes out of something bad. Like more people are are looking to forms, other forms of entertainment they haven't considered and that being board games. So right. um, it, it can only be good for Hasbro as long as they're able to meet the demand. And, and, you know, that's, that's what the big question mark is. Um, is the demand. Absolutely. So, nice work, Hasbro. Glad things went well for the first quarter, especially for Monopoly and Magic. Uh, but, it, you know, everything seems like it's doing pretty strong. So, And like you said, I think it'll probably continue to be strong, you know, since most of the manufacturing has gotten back to capacity. Uh, hopefully we can settle. Consider, cons- oh, my goodness. Consider. I'm struggling for a Saturday. <laughs> continue to see games selling well and people gathering around the gaming table while we are in quarantine. Josh, what is your next topic, sir? Hey, so this week, this past week, we had uh, two events. I'm put them in quotes. Uh, one was 
a surprise, at least to me, mm-hmm. uh, live Twitch stream, I think it was Twitch, of Boss Logic, the very famous now uh, movie poster, character, creator, designer, artist, uh, designing live via some Adobe Studio thing. I'm assuming it was Adobe. Um, <laughs> the new... It looked complicated. Yes, it was. It looked... Uh, uh, the designing the new, I guess, cover alternate box cover because they just really revealed it to be a steel book today. Um, of Assassin's Creed, uh, and leading up to it, uh, we didn't know the theme, we had thought we had rumors, we didn't know the title, we had rumors that actually were wrong, um, mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, and I would say I watched a lot more of this than I thought I would ever watch i that think was a long stream. i watched like four hours of this <laughs> i watched four hours of someone uh digitally creating art uh it's really crazy to see the template he started with and where it ended up with and he kept putting in like um like red herrings like this is not actually what it's gonna be when he gets finished um not red red herring is the wrong word um but he kept changing things and and, and tricking people um, which I thought was really cool. So ultimately what happened was um, we got the cover art and the reveal of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it was very cool to watch him uh, design this. So I figured what I would do, we could t- we could talk about, we'll talk about this game briefly, and then we'll talk about what it's really, what, what this is kind of leading into for next week. Yeah. Um, so y- this is from Ubisoft's website. Um, you're going to become Ivor, um, a Viking raider. And to the internet's dismay, you can also be a female Viking. Sorry, internet. Which is definitely <laughs> what I will be playing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, you'll, your character will be raised to be a fearless warrior and lead your clan from icy desolation in Norway to a new home amid the lush farmlands of the 9th century England. Which did you... If you watch the trailer, they put out a cinematic trailer the next day. Um, I don't think that that this escaped people's um, uh, view, but there was a very uh, cool part of that trailer where it showed the delineation between the different cultures. And you have the, I'm assuming the king of England speaking at the time or or Mm -hmm. a, a leader of England speaking and as he's it's actually very symbolic about our country right now while he's speaking of the vikings coming to england he's you you see the vikings coming from ice and cold and they're coming to england where there's sun and farm and he's saying like they're coming to pillage our lands but it shows like viking families just like building houses and living peacefully and they've come to kill our people and they just show them like playing with their kids in the Mm -hmm. yard so like everything that the king is saying is like not fact like not happening with the vikings and and i like that that's very something that assassin's creed has taken uh uh with them is being very historically accurate and i really appreciate seeing that but you're also getting two different sides what what England is telling their people about yep. these people. So it, it was a really cool trailer. If you can look past while the blood and violence is important to the story, there's a mm-hmm. lot more in that trailer than just 
the battlefield battle, which I thought was very cool. Uh, you can, so let's, we'll hit some notes. You can write your own Viking saga. Um, you can play, you blaze your own path across England with advanced RPG mechanics, which sounds cool. It does worry me a bit. <laughs> what, what worries you about that? Because I know that has been a point of contention for others as well. It worries me that it's more Witcher and less Assassin's Creed. Gotcha. Which... I'm not a Witcher guy. Uh, there's too much, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> Without I getting into that. it. Um, Do you think the last games were too RPG-y? They were a bit, but I, I, I want to go... B- I was actually just thinking, after this, I want to go back and replay uh, the last one just to see uh, if I can put more time into it right. and give it a chance. Um, there, but yeah, it's definitely taking a, ter- taking a turn from the Assassin's Creed's I have loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this. Um, a lot of this trailer reminded me of Assassin's Creed 3, and I loved Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, I know it's going to be way deeper, but I'm excited to get some more axe combat. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> what do you, okay, really quick. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that, you know, they talk about how the Vikings actually sailed to North America, Canada, Northeastern United States way back before Columbus and all these other people. Uh, what do you think, what do you think the chances are that you, there's DLC or something that has you going to quote unquote the new world? That would be great. I think that'd be awesome. It just depends on how long their storyline takes place. how long right, the story for is. Sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. So you can lead epic raids. You can lead a crew of raiders and launch lightning fast surprise attacks against Saxon armies and fortresses. And then you can claim the riches of the enemy's land. For your clan. And then you can engage. Well, I don't, I don't think we can skip that one. You can grow your settlement. So this is a big thing that's changed. Um, so your clan's new home grows with your legend. Customize your settlement by building upgradable structures. Unlock new features and quests by constructing a barracks, a blacksmith, a tattoo parlor, and much more. I really think that's really cool. That's definitely the new take for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Sarcasm coming. As long as they can do it better than Far Cry Five did, I'm all on board for this. <laughs> Wait, what's the sarcasm? Sorry, not sorry. Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk about it. <laughs> so they, not if sarcasm. they can build upon what they started in Far Cry Five, you would appreciate it. If they can do what New Dawn tried to do, but better. Okay, let's do that because they really yeah. messed up the, in my opinion, the the base building in, in New Dawn. Did you ever play Nino Kuni 2? I didn't. And you know, I keep wanting to play it because you guys, everyone talks about this game. Uh, Nino Kuni 2, they actually have like some settlement building in it. And it's pretty fun. Yeah. So that's what I immediately thought of uh, when I saw or heard that there was going to be some settlement building. I, I went right away to Nino Kuni 2. And if it's mm. similar to that, uh, I'm down for it. It was pretty fun in that game. Cool. Okay. And while there is no co-op, which was rumored, heavily rumored. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, share your custom raider. So you can recruit mercenary Vikings uh, designed by other players, or you can create and customize your own to share online. Uh, and then you can sit back and reap the rewards when they fight alongside your friends in their game worlds. Uh, I think that's really cool. That's a really, it's kind of like when people, like I'm playing Gears Tactics and all my guys I've, I'm, I'm naming after people on PSVG. Sorry, mm-hmm. no one's looked like you yet, Kyle, so I couldn't do That's it. That's fine. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of okay with that. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, I, I like 
that they are doing that because it's they're still focusing on the story of the game without right. putting in co-op. And I know that that's not always you're not always sacrificing things to put co-op in the game. Um, but I think if you look at Unity, um, they they were really excited about that co-op aspect and it just didn't hit. Right. So maybe they're going to take some more time and maybe we'll see it in the next Assassin's Creed. So what do you think is the cool name we're going to come up for these? Because I know for Xbox games and for like Forza, they call it Drivatars, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so can we call them Vicatars? Is that a thing we can call them? Astars. No? We'll work on it. We'll come up with something better. We'll work on it. Centaurs. Oh, centaurs. <laughs> okay. So this is all leading up to May 7th. That is Thursday. So two days yes. after you hear this. We were we are going to get in-game footage of Assassin's Creed Valhalla at yeah, we are. the Inside Xbox, I don't want to say premiere, show. On May 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, nice and early. Uh, and we're also promised first look at Xbox Series X gameplay. Uh, Assassin's Creed has already come out saying that this will also be on PS5 and Xbox Series X, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Uh, it'll also be on current generation consoles. It will. Uh, so we have... Uh, Microsoft not showing first-party games, but global Correct. developers' partners um, will be shown. So we're going to see uh, first-look gameplay. This is what Xbox has been promoting, right? We're going to see gameplay. We're going to see games now. These are yep. games. Now, Kyle, here's my problem with this. And it's yeah. not necessarily a problem because I'm happy to see new game content. But we've already right. been told there aren't going to be any exclusive Series X games. So right. why is this a Series X gameplay first look? Because this will show you what it will look like running on Xbox Series X. Right, but isn't it also supposed to look the same running on my One X? No, it's not supposed to look the same. It's still just supposed to work. Okay, it's just not going to look as good on my current console. Correct. <laughs> okay. Correct. Just like, you know, Control did not look as good on the base consoles as they did the Pro slash Series X. That's true. And my playthrough of Horizon Zero Dawn definitely looked much better with the Pro. Okay. So they're not going to look the same. It's going to look better. Basically, this is going to be their pitch as to why you should upgrade to the Series X. That's kind of what it's going to be. So do we think... What what do you think we're going to see? Do you have any other... Um, guesses on what games we're going to see at this at this show? Well, I think obviously we know Assassin's Creed. We know. I'm assuming we'll see more of Cyberpunk. Yeah, I think I think though, that's confirmed. Yeah, I though I don't necessarily need to see any more Cyberpunk. I think in game in game would be nice. We they've done two oh, almost hour trailers of Cyberpunk. They did those as stuff. streams, right? Yeah. Okay. I haven't so, seen. And there's I haven't full seen videos those, you yeah. can go watch. Yeah. So there's full like hour long videos you can watch of in game. Do you think they look the happening. same still? I mean, it might look I'm different. I'm curious it if could, they could... changed any of it. Right. I guess for me, you know, I, I don't know that I need to see what Cyberpunk is going to look like on Series X because I'm sure it's going to look really, really good. I'm much more interested to see what Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to look like. Yeah. That to me is what I'm more interested in. Outside of that, I do wonder. 
you know, I think it's anyone that they have their marketing deals with, which we don't really know because after July now, there really isn't any games that are announced for release yet for solid. Right. That's true. So I think that it would not surprise me if we have something from EA, probably Madden or something along those lines to show what Madden's going to look like or another racing game. Oh, let's that, see Apex. Yeah, yeah. Apex, you know, so I, I think we'll see something from EA. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we actually see something from Bungie and talking about what uh, Destiny maybe is going to look like and run like and what that's all going to be there. So that wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah, maybe WB. I know WB is supposedly hosting their own event, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. But if there is some sort of agreement there with Xbox, that wouldn't surprise me to see something there. And I'm going to guess we're going to see something from a Japanese studio, whether that be Sega, whether that be Platinum, uh, but something there. And also probably, oh, gosh, the first person or the shooter that uh, Remedy is working on the first player content for or the single player content for. Oh, oh, it's huge in like Korea. Ah, what's the name of it? Is it that game that Microsoft got uh, um, Crossfire or something like that? Yes, that's yes. Crossfire X, I think. Crossfire X, yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe the debut of the um, campaign trailer for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of options. I think that there's a, a number of things that we could see here. Uh, and I actually, I, I blocked it off on my work calendar as a meeting to watch. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm interested. I'm, I'm really interested to see what this next generation is going to look like. And for me, as somebody, you know, who's obviously primarily a PlayStation person, I'm really interested to see in some ways what games I'm going to be playing on PlayStation. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I I am very much interested to see how they message this about They've already said, like you said, that there are not going to be exclusives. So what is the pull for me to upgrade? Like, what are you going to show me that's going to make me say, darn it, I need to get a Series X. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yep. What I about agree. you? What do you want to see? What do you think oh. will, will, might be there? You know what I would really like to see that I don't think we'll see here, but since Ubisoft's showing up, I would love to see Beyond Good and Evil 2, mm-hmm. just to see what's going on with that game. Um, right. Also, a game that not a lot of people talk about, but I've been hyped up about for years now, is Biomutant. Um, oh, yeah. So I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that, but I don't know if I should be like mixing my E3 expectations into this or not because of what you're talking about in the news um, later, but I just, I'm trying not to... My My gut says it's going to be more... Indie style games, not big hitters. Uh, uh, so what about know. Elden Ring? Oh yeah, Elden Ring might show up too. Um, yeah. But we've yeah, we only got a little taste of that with with the teaser trailer. So yep, um, we can see more of that as well. Because uh, I know there was a lot of people not certain if that was a this gen or next gen game, but since we've had heard absolutely nothing about it, yeah, well, I feel like it's got to be at least cross, if not... It's George R. R. Martin, so it, it won't come out for five more years, so I don't think we have to worry <laughs> about that. Um, uh, shoot, what was I going to say? Um, I was going to say something else, and I forgot it. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens, but I'm not necessarily like betting on anything like mm-hmm. hitting hard i think assassin's creed might be the biggest 
highlight of the show because they still they are still going to do something in June. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but that's they said that's going to be a first party focus. I yeah. Guess that doesn't mean it's going to be every only first party, but yeah. yeah. I so. mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited regardless. I'm excited. I just hope like the last Inside Xbox which they did via webcam because of pandemic. Like it was crisp. It was solid. It was more like a direct. And that's what I hope this maintains that, that uh, as well. Absolutely. So anything else you want to say about that? I, are you excited for this game? Is this a game you want to play? Oh man, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, The theme, like that's right where, like that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, and the fact that that even in the trailer they hint at Odin even potentially being uh, part of the story really hits that Greek mythology uh, for me, and potentially even Roman mythology, depending on mm-hmm. how they handle this. Um, right, and that's always been something that I've been super into. So I'm very excited to see what they put out. So that is really the main reason why I want to revisit. Assassin's Creed um, to get myself more um, ready for this game. Very cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love Assassin's Creed. It's one of my favorite game series. I am definitely down to play this and cannot wait to play it when it comes out this fall slash holiday slash winter slash whenever it is that it comes out. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to say we'll probably see at least one more studio acquisition during this Inside Xbox event because they've been hinting at it for a little while. Um. And I think like now's now's a good time to do to release that, especially if they're trying to get ahead of like their what what would be their E three presentation. Do you think that that's something if it has bigger pop if they save it for when they're doing their first party focus? Maybe if it's like Sega, yeah, maybe hold it. But I and they like our newest addition to our first party, yeah. you know, something like that. that. If it's a big studio, yeah, I feel like it might not. It's not going to be Sega. I really don't think so. Who is it? It's probably some studio I never heard of. Or when they <laughs> announce it, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who those people are. Do you think it's someone like Moon? Maybe. Because they, they don't technically own Moon, right? Even though they've made Ori for them. Or who who makes Red Faction? Are, aren't they in the THQ Nordic oh, group Oh, THQ now? Nordic, so it wouldn't be THQ. <laughs> yeah. I was like, THQ, yeah, the studio who made that, like, yeah, is, was purchased by and now is under THQ Nordic, so. It just popped into my head that, t- like, the people who made Red Faction could be one of them, but that's yeah. just out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, so, Moon, okay. Moon would be great. Yeah, Moon would be a great acquisition yeah. for them. And it seems like a, a reasonable one, for sure. Yeah. All right, so it's kind of building off of this that Josh was referring to, you know, we were all very sad when E3 was canceled this summer, but you know what? No worries, because Summer Game Fest (laughs) is here to make up for it. If you're not familiar, Jeff Keighley coming out on the Twitter saying, introducing Summer Game Fest, a new season of news, in-game events, and playable content from the entire video game industry, May through August 2020, and a developer showcase with I Am 8-Bit 2. See you soon they also posted a picture of the lineup phase one it says and the names on this lineup include 2k activision bandai namco bethesda blizzard bungie cd project red digital extremes ea playstation private division riot square steam wb and xbox that's quite the lineup it's like jeff gilly is the vulture picking at the bones of e3 (laughs) (laughs) 
He's like, yeah, I'm not going to E3. Why? Because I'm making my own. Hey, I am 8-Bit's like, we're not doing the show floor for E3 anymore. And then Jeff Keighley's like, okay, I'll be in your DMs real quick. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, you know, with so many summer gaming events canceled, Summer Game Fest seems to kind of swoop in to, you know, try to give us a, a thing to look forward to this summer. Uh, having that run from May to August, number one, we'll start there. May to August. Are you excited about this, where we're going to get news kind of sprinkled throughout the summer? Would you rather have it jam-packed into one week? What do you think? May to August. It just depends on how they... It's it's so vast. Like, it really depends on how they decide to put out this content. Right. Um, it could be... It could feel too sparse, honestly. Uh, but also knowing that you are going to get gaming content every week might like might uh, hype people up and give them that, right. like, Christmassy kind of feel like you know something's coming but it could be bad too because you might be excited for a whole week to find something out and then it's like not great <laughs> like you're like right i waited all week to find out about counter-strike 2 <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> hey people like counter-strike i know <laughs> so do you think that if this goes well i know e3's already announced their dates for next summer yeah 2021 yeah if this goes well does this become problematic then for publishers for E3 for trying to decide what exactly they want to do? Because if this goes well and Microsoft and Sony and Square and everyone realizes, oh goodness, we can do these things digitally, get the same number of or amount of buzz and clicks and whatever, hmm. you know, does this really potentially pose a threat to what E3 2021 looks like? I think right now everything is like looming on the threshold of like the digital revolution. And, and uh, a lot of people are being pushed to embrace digital that have never before, like small businesses, big businesses. And right. E3 has been so up and down with like close to the public, open to the public, closed again, open again. I I feel like if like Microsoft and Sony, they can afford to go to E3 every year, right? Like that's no right. sweat off their back. Maybe companies like Riot, um, even CD Projekt Red, uh, they might not want to spend that money every year. And when they look at their profits next year, this is clearly going to be part of that. So what didn't we spend on marketing that we would spend at E3? Well, how much does that cyberpunk, like full-size Keanu Reeves statue cost? Oh, it costs us $350,000 to make? Okay, well, where is it now sitting in a warehouse? We'll never use it again. So let's not ever do that again. Like, there's right. a lot of different conversations that uh, can happen from this because, honestly, those displays are only good for a year in, in the convention circuit. And mm -hmm. those companies are eating the cost of that. Uh, this could be the, the next way that all this stuff happens. I think people have already shown they prefer Nintendo Directs over any other type of physical way Nintendo shows their product. Um, Sony's been pretty good. I, we haven't seen a, um, what was it called again? Play? State of Play. State of Play. We haven't seen a State of Play in a little bit, but even Sony was praised for their State of Play. Google right. Google's embraced their, their Stadia now. Um, Microsoft's you know, like everyone's focusing on this. So I think this will show the companies that aren't doing it yet, maybe Bethesda, Blizzard, Electronic Arts, that this might be the way to do that. Right. And this might just 
an E3 might, they might have dates, but they might just not have an E3. For sure. So do you think, are we getting too many things now, though? Because IGN is doing their Summer of Games thing. Yeah. GameSpot has announced that they're doing a thing. Now we have Summer Game Fest. <laughs> yeah. Are we just getting into a situation where kind of like when people cut the ca- the cord for cable and we're like, oh, we're just going to stream everything. Now there's so many different streaming things that for you to see all the th- information, you got to subscribe to a million different things. Are we getting there in a very fast pace right now? People don't want to watch the same content on different mediums. Right. So I think it just depends on who gets there first is really what it yeah. is. If Ubisoft can only offer up one trailer for Valhalla, then the fourth event that airs the same trailer is not going to get any traction. Right. So it, well, it just depends on who gets there. Yeah, because I do wonder because IGN said that there's going to be cyberpunk stuff at their thing in June. So are we going to see cyberpunk stuff in May at the uh, you know later this week at Xbox? Yeah, and then in June at IGN's thing, and then you know some other time during Summer Game Fest, are we going to get cyberpunk stuff three, four months in a row going up to the September release? Maybe, and that's fine, I guess. But you know, a game like Cyberpunk, some people I suppose probably want to see everything they can. I already have seen everything I need to, you yeah. know. So for me, I'm like, well. Whatever, but so of all of these companies listed that they've talked about, what <laughs> Warner is Brothers. there one you are most ex- is Warner Brothers <laughs> yeah. you're most excited about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what are you hoping or do you want to see from Warner Brothers? Can I be honest? I don't want it to be another Batman game. I want it to be a DC game. Batman can be there, but we've had, we've had all these rumors about this Justice League project or something. Right. Or Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever. Right. I mean, I'm still excited for a new Batman. Don't get me wrong. Um, With all the rumors about the Court of Owls and this great storyline, I'm very excited about that. But what I really Mm want to see is uh, using that great combat system and putting it into a new character. Like Spider-Man. Hey, they did a great in Spider-Man. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> they improved that that uh, fighting combat in Spider-Man. Yeah. Because Spider-Man fits that combat style better. Agreed. And Batman is definitely limited. So imagine putting that into, like, you play the Catwoman missions, right? She yep. like it felt so much better with it someone did. who is quote unquote more agile than Batman. Agreed. So I would love to see like them try to keep DC going. Um, um, I really wish that they would just team up with Ed Boon though and get the story writers from Injustice to mm. help make a gritty, insane Justice League or DC game. Are so? Are you more excited about WB than you are about Xbox First Party? Yeah, because we what are we gonna get from <laughs> Xbox First Party? Uh, Halo, Forza. Yeah, play those games. Fable. Fable's exciting. Absolutely. Perfect Dark. That game, why? <laughs> we we don't need more Perfect Dark. It's at its time. I'm not excited that's a, about that's Perfect Dark. That's a rumor Dark. though of what the initiative is working on is Perfect yeah, Dark, right? Yeah, it is, but I, I don't I don't know about I don't know how I feel about that. I love Joanna Hellblade Dark. Hellblade 2? Hellblade There's definitely games I'm excited about, don't get me wrong. But you I I can't put one game at Warner Brothers that I'm excited about that makes me more excited than Microsoft First Party in general. Okay. No, that makes sense. But Fable, you, I'm excited for kids. a new Fable. I just don't know yeah. what it's going to be. 
for sure. Honey, it, I Shrunk the Kids, the game? No, <laughs> we have that. Okay. That's the Bethesda game. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited for the WB one, too, mostly because I want to know if this Harry Potter RPG thing is yeah, legit. Yeah, the thing that we've been, like, fawning over for two years. For two years at this point, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I Obviously, of all these, I'm most excited for PlayStation because I want to know. I have some pretty solid ideas of what the first parties are working on, but we outside of ghost of tsushima and the last of us part two and obviously um this studio that does the show we really don't know what else that's santa monica like i always the uh, san diego san diego, the san diego studio okay. who does the show santa monica is the is god, god of warrior that's what i always mess up though so that's why i didn't yeah. say it because i had to think about it really hard <laughs> well, i'll mess it up for you <laughs> yeah thank you so but yeah, so obviously San Diego, and because we know that probably their next edition of the show next year is going multi-platform, so I was, and they're going to keep doing that because that game sells gangbusters for them. But outside of that, like we don't know at all what any of the PlayStation first studios, first-party studios are working on. We have some assumptions and some guesses. I'm guessing Polyphony is making a new Gran Turismo. Yeah. I am guessing <laughs> that this whole new Silent Hills thing coming out of Studio Japan is real. I am guessing that Gorilla is making Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Those are all guesses that I, I feel pretty good about, but we don't know for sure. Can we get so, a that... new LLB show if there's no baseball season? Why not? Yeah, just suck more money out of people. <laughs> what <laughs> roster changes are you going to make? <laughs> well, the roster changes will still happen. But players will still sign with different teams and move and yeah. all that good stuff. So I did get my refund playing. for my tickets. They are <laughs> playing. Um, there is a custom league that is played on MO, on Sony San Diego's Twitch channel that is MLBers playing the show against each other. Oh. Um, and Adam Wright is, I think, the, like the lead commissioner, and he's like gets all the games organized <laughs> and has um, people playing against each other. But that's that's kind of cool. But anyway, anything else about Summer Game Fest you want to talk about? Anything else you're excited about to see? I'm excited. I'm bummed that our that we had to cancel the PSVG house party. Yeah, we could have still done it with this, but realistically, we don't know that we could even do it. Yeah, by like what's happening now and if that's even possible so um i'm just excited that we're gonna have more content so bring it on <laughs> indeed all right so summer game fest starting now i think xbox's event is really kind of the thing kicking it off yeah uh so be on the lookout and uh, jeff Keeley's gonna be hosting pre and post shows for all the things so <laughs> be on the lookout for that streaming on all of the major platforms uh, and also Steam and Xbox have confirmed that they will offer demos and trials of some games for a limited time. So nice. just be on the lookout for those things. Josh, what is your third topic? So before we get into my third topic, I have to ask you. Yes. Frosthaven. Yeah, it's a game. What'd you do? Did you do nothing? Did you back it? Did you not back Here's it? A, what happened? I'm I'm going to ask you a counter question. What do you think I did? <laughs> well, <laughs> that... I it all depends on the conversation you had with your wife. <laughs> now, I think based uh -huh. on my comment on your question was that you backed Gloomhaven and Frosthaven. That is what I did. Yeah, that <laughs> makes me happy. So yeah, so no I did back at the 
Oh, well, I mean, it's I don't. Do, I always yeah. wonder why people get hitchy about this because it's obviously very clearly printed. Yeah, I backed the two hundred eighty-five dollar level. You have to tell the price. Um, <laughs> well, but anyone could go and see how much it was. Yeah, but it they was, have to so do the work. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but the reason I felt okay with it because that's a ton of money, right? That is a lot of money yeah. for games. Uh, but the way I came to—I don't want to say terms with it—but the way I said, "Okay, I'm going to do this," uh, is it was just my birthday present. Nice. So my birthday was back in March, but because of all the stuff going on, we really hadn't done anything for it yet. Yeah. So that just became my birthday present. So that is why I did jump in and get it. I backed it when there was about an hour left. <laughs> so I cut. I got it pretty close to the end there. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I should have Gloomhaven in July. That's and awesome. Frosthaven uh, like a year later. So if only they could have fit Heart of the Lion into that pledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if only. Because you get four more characters. I know. Uh, yeah, that's great. No, I'm I, happy that you did that. I hope you like it. Um, I hope I will too. I'm excited about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like $440 retail. So you're saving a, yeah. a lot of money as well. So you're getting a lot of content. And I'm glad that you're going to get, yeah, Gloomhaven and you could get that to the table. I was really hoping. I'm not kidding. My plan was to do the all in and get the Gloomhaven. Uh huh. Thing would only cost me forty bucks more. I didn't realize it didn't include the broken token insert, and I, I was know. I was going to send it to Lucas because uh, he's been eyeing Gloomhaven to play with his wife. Right. Um. So unfortunately, when you listen to this, Lucas, I d- I am not I did not buy you <laughs> Gloomhaven. <laughs> did you hear how many broken token inserts were backed just initially in the campaign? I didn't, but based on the amount of backers, I can only imagine that. Those people are working from home building <laughs> car, like <laughs> cutouts now. Yeah, Broken Token tweeted, and I, I'm not going to go back and find the tweet, but it, it was something at the time that they tweeted it, and this was a couple days before the campaign ended. It was over 30,000 people had gotten the <laughs> the organizer. Yeah, if you were hoping for a Broken Token organizer for a new game you bought, you <laughs> might have to wait a year because <laughs> they're going to be busy. It's insane. Okay, so even with the success of Frosthaven, which, by the way, is now the number one highest grossing board game Kickstarter in history, uh, surpassing Kingdom Death Monster, which actually backed Frosthaven, which is pretty funny. People screenshotted the Kingdom Death Monster has backed Frosthaven. Right. Uh, and they, I'm going to pause you quick. Yeah. Huh? Oh, no, sorry. You can finish, and then oh, I'm going to oh. pause you. So they surpassed, they passed $12.4 million, uh, which yes. is what Kingdom Death Monster was. So here's your pause. Okay. Are you ready? We're going to do a quiz. Oh, yeah. Top 10 tabletop game <laughs> Kickstarter projects as of May 1st, oh, 2020. Okay. So we obviously already know number one, Frosthaven. Yeah. Finished at $12.969 million. Insane. Number two, which you already referred to, Kingdom Death Monster 1.5. Yeah. At $12.393 million. All right. Three through 10, Josh. What do you take a stab? What do you think anywhere in that group? What do you think's in there? Simon. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to and pick a game. <laughs> so I'm going to guess Batman, Gotham Chronicles. I'm going to guess Blood Rage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Batman, Gotham City Chronicles yeah. by Monolith. Number eight. Okay. $4.4 million. Blood Rage? No. Oh. Ankh? No. Horizon Zero Dawn? No. 
I'm not going to be good there's, at this. <laughs> there's one that you're missing that's kind of, that's way lighter that got really, really big. Oh, oh, uh, Exploding Kittens, number three. Correct. Exploding Kittens was number three. Yeah, I didn't But that. at number three, Exploding Kittens was $8.78 million. Yeah. So huge different jump from three to two. Yeah. <laughs> Any other you want to take a stab at? You're going to say them and I'll probably get it. Uh, is Cloudspire one of them? No. It, it is not. It didn't even pass a million. No, I'm not sure. Okay, so number four, Seventh Continent. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Seven, yeah. seven million dollars. Number five, Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. Oh, I didn't say Gloomhaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at six point three million. Number six, Dark Souls. Oh, okay, the game that people haven't point, gotten yet. Yeah, five point four six nine million. <laughs> number seven, Zombicide Green Horde. Yeah. At five million. Eight, Batman and Gotham City Chronicles, like we talked about. Nine is Nemesis by oh. Awakened Realms at four point two seven seven million, and number ten is Rising Sun. Oh, Rising by Sun by Kuman at four point two two eight million. <clears throat> really quick again, what I find most interesting about this for all these games, there's one that had by far the most number of backers, which was Exploding Kittens at two hundred nineteen thousand backers. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> Uh, the average backer, so the dollars per backer then was 40 bucks for Exploding Kittens. That's still too okay. much. <laughs> right. Okay. The next game on the list with the most number of backers is Frosthaven at 83,000 wow. backers. I showed it to my wife today. I said, they have to make 83,000 copies of this game. I know, right? And some odd number of more copies of Gloomhaven. <laughs> right. And the funny thing is, is that that is more than double the next number, the game with the next highest number of backers, which is pretty ridiculous. However, the thing that I find the most interesting, so dollars per backer for Frosthaven was $155.91. Okay. Here's the kicker one that for me just makes my heart, well, we'll do one more and then we'll get to that one. Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Yeah. 19,000 backers, $228 per backer. Yeah, because it was like $484 to get everything. It was insane. <laughs> but here's the big kicker. Kingdom Death Monster. Yeah. 19,264 backers, $643.33 per backer. Yeah, I don't understand what game they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I just thought that was super interesting. Uh, I was looking for a list like that and actually just posted on ICV2 just a little bit ago. So there we go. Thanks, ICV2. That was pretty awesome. Uh, But yeah, so if you want to see the top 10 most successful um, board game Kickstarters of all time, it's there. But this makes Frosthaven third most successful Kickstarter ever, right? Yeah. Second or third. I don't know. Yeah. It was close to second, so I don't know if it passed it or not. But yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and I'll say this now, it, it speaks to the quality of Gloomhaven. Yeah. For sure. So that's why I'm even more happy you're getting Gloomhaven. Uh, anyways, so even with the success of Frosthaven, Kickstarter, it's not invulnerable to COVID-19 and its effect on our economy. In fact, Kickstarter is preparing to shed up, <laughs> I'll put that in quotes, uh, 40 uh, shed up to 45 percent of their staff and this comes from an article from gizmodo um so kickstarter has been transparent that as a result of the pandemic uh the number of uh, fundraising projects uh, is nowhere near normal um in fact uh the shrinking revenues have forced it to drastically reduce staff um you know uh as normal like they've taken a 35% drop in live projects. So people aren't even 
putting out more projects and Kickstarter only makes a profit on their fees with the developers. Yep. Uh, so while they're certainly going to make a lot of money off of Frosthaven, uh, it's kind of crazy how Kickstarter is being affected uh, and will be affected by this. So honestly, I, I kind of have just a simple question for you. What is the future of Kickstarter if this pandemic continues through the summer? I think Kickstarter... No, I, I guess I don't know this. My assumption would be that Kickstarter, because of the type of company it is, is in a situation where it would need to or it can grow or shrink based on the number of projects and still exist as a company. Because if you have 100 projects and each person is responsible for managing 10 projects that are there, you need 10 people. If you have 50 projects, now you only need five people. Granted, there are people who are in position, and it's obviously never as simple as I just made it out to be. But I think because Kickstarter has become so such a constant force, especially the board game world, I think that Kickstarter, to a degree, will always be there. But I maybe it is going to start losing, you know, the 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 amount of weight it carried in the startup world, right? That there's a lot of companies who this is how they get their start, this is how they get their stuff printed. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily everyone now goes to Indiegogo or something like that. Yeah. But I think that Kickstarter probably has to be, you know, really thinking about how it is managing its staff. You know, they were the first tech company to unionize, which happened just a couple months ago. Yep. So that obviously, the fact that they have said, yep, we're laying people off and it is it is happening means that typically everyone there had to say, yeah, we recognize this needs to happen. Um, so it is, I think, a little worrisome, but I also don't think Kickstarter is going away. What about you? I, I mean, I, I agree with you. <clears throat> to an extent, like I, I definitely agree. Like they can weather the storm, so to speak, but it is tough because they definitely have to manage what the furloughs or voluntary layoffs or just layoffs in general and bringing more people in when they can. That that's just like that's the big challenge, right? Like how do they manage letting people go, and how do they do it? profitably because you let people go, they could find other jobs. Then you're yep. losing on the job training yep. and you're having to pay more money to, to, you know, or you just don't even train your people. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's tough. It's tough to see in general. Uh, I, I would say, in fact, I thought Kickstarter was going to be hit way more earlier than this with, right. with the layoffs and stuff. So, um, Indiegogo is interesting too because like Indiegogo they charge as soon as you pledge like it's not like Kickstarter so right. like you just give money to those campaigns yep uh, so they might be making more money uh, but they might have less projects because from my experience um, with Indiegogo campaigns people are more hesitant to use Indiegogo because they get less money based right. on investment so who knows I think it's a bummer to see Almost half of their company getting laid off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's crazy that we we have to deal with this right now. But uh, as someone who works in a job where I could be laid off at any minute, I also can appreciate the fact that they're trying to keep as many people on as they can. 
while right. staying profitable. So, um, yeah, I think what's more, what's going to be more interesting is once this is over, what the industries are going to look like because everyone's basically been shut down for months and just because our states tell us it's okay to go back outside doesn't mean that movies, games, comics, right. Kickstarters, anything's going to be ready to go. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of binging of friends on HBO Max. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Uh, it does say in the article from Gizmodo that it says, quote, both Kickstarter and the union agree on the terms which were negotiated for departing employees, however, which include four months reverence. And I'm, is that supposed to be severance? I think it's supposed to be severance, yeah. Okay. Uh, Up to six months health insurance and the ability to return to their current roles within a year if the company is in a position to hire for them. Yeah. So that sounds good, right? If you're going to be laid off, that that sounds about as good as you can get for being laid off. That Not saying it still isn't a very traumatic situation. But also, if you're a Kickstarter and you can pay four months salary and six months medical benefits, I'm not extremely worried about the health of the company if you can do all of that. You know? Yeah. and in some ways, that is a company recognizing, you know, we talked about this a lot back when uh, Telltale shut down. Yeah. That they just basically said, we're done with a week's notice and nobody got anything. Um, this is a company recognizing, hey, you know, we're going to be looking at our financials and forecasting and saying, if things continue at this trend, here's what we need to do. So we need to end things now. Because if we wait for the four months, then we might be in a situation where we can't give people anything. Or if we wait the six months, maybe we can't give them anything. It was a difficult decision for a company to make, right? As an employee, which would you rather have? Would you rather have them take the quote-unquote safe bet? And that this way you now can have get pay while you search for a new job and do these other things. Or would you rather just be employed for the next six months and then get nothing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, so. It's a tough call. Um, but it's nice to have that job security, at least for, sure. for within that year. The problem, my biggest worry is long-term, right? So these employees, they get paid for four months, then they have to go on unemployment. Yep. Which there's over 3 million Americans on unemployment right now. So I can't imagine what the line is to start getting those checks. Um, but that's no fault of Kickstarter. That's just a uh, a symptom of the system right now, uh, which can be tough. Yes. Uh, and it's actually way more than that, Josh. Uh, 22 million Americans have filed for unemployment oh, benefits in the, I, last, in the last four weeks. Sorry, 3 million this week. I'm sorry. I yes. missed <laughs> <laughs> Yes. 3 million this yes. week. Yeah. So that's not good. All that's right. Crazy. Anything else you want to say about Kickstarter? Uh, I love Kickstarter. Support it if you can. Um, by supporting a project you might be excited about, you're also yeah. supporting Kickstarter, who is a service. Just like Game Pass or PS Now. <laughs> it is. So we were actually on the Discord, which you should definitely join. Listen, join the PSVG Discord. Uh, we were talking about how many Kickstarters we have back. Oh, and yeah, let me pull mine up. <laughs> it is very clear that those of us who are into board games have definitely backed far more Kickstarters than everyone else in the group. So 58 for me. Oh, that's, yeah, that's quite a bit more than me, even. Nice work, Josh. Thanks. Way to support the developers, <laughs> or the creative people in the world of board games and the folks at Kickstarter. All right, so my last topic, probably not going to be a surprise to anyone that I'm talking about this, but the <laughs> T the Tlu 2 leakers have been identified, and it isn't disgruntled Naughty Dog or PlayStation employees. So what happens now? 
So this story comes from Games Radar, posted by Alyssa Mercante about a day ago when we're recording this. Um, and it says, quote, Sony has identified the people, yes, people, responsible for the massive The Last of Us 2 leaks, and it's not the rumored disgruntled Naughty Dog employee, according to a report from Polygon. Quote, SIE has identified the primary individuals responsible for the unauthorized release of TLO 2 assets, a Sony rep told Polygon. They are not affiliated with Naughty Dog or SIE. We are unable to comment further because the information is the, boo, excuse me, because the information is subject <laughs> to an ongoing investigation. Yeah. So, Josh, what are your thoughts? You heard that they caught him. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And number two, what do you think happens to these folks? <laughs> well, first of all, I thought we'd be talking about either Shannon Woodward and Ashley Johnson streaming are going to be streaming their Last of Us 1 playthrough or that Nolan North and Trey Baker had a falling out and are no longer speaking. I thought yeah. those are interesting stories. This one... It's not so interesting to me. They aren't telling us who did it. It's very vague. They could just be lying. I'm, I'm not a, saying they're lying, but they could just be like, hey, we found them, but we can't tell you who they are. I think... You really think they would do no, that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, it, it was inevitable uh, with the internet and the, the tools we have, um, even the communities that would help find these people, that this person or persons was found... Um. <laughs> Capital punishment? Can that be the crime? Because <laughs> that's what I want. Uh, no. Uh, I'm glad they were found. And the crime should, you know, they should do what the crime entails. And, and I don't know the laws of, of piracy or uh, breaching of contract or however they mm -hmm. got this information. Um, but I think that they should face the full amount amount the full extent. the fullest extent of the of the law for that crime and we talked about this before this this is a something that someone did to it's weird to say hurt other people because you're not physically hurting people right it's something some these people did to make like to ruin someone's experience as a consumer and also to potentially diminish the thousands of hours of work a whole studio did to make a game yep and and it's it, and it's very easy to see if you're on twitter and even if you just follow one person who works from naughty dog you see how everyone at naughty dog feels about this yeah they're devastated for the fans right and also for themselves but like everything that they are saying is they're very sad about the fans but also they're also saying we are very excited to use, for you to see what else is in this game. You haven't seen anything. The spoilers don't ruin the story. Right. Like, stay tuned. Even Neil Druckmann's like, I'm so excited for you guys to play this. And then he's he says, like, block keywords, block key terms. Like, and, like, I think Donnie's, someone posted on, like, one of Donnie's comments, excited about Ashley Johnson and Shannon Woodward streaming. They're like, don't read the comments. Because yeah. there's going to be terrible people in there ruining The Last of Us 2. And I feel yeah. bad for Shannon Woodward and Ashley Johnson. Because they're yep. going to see those comments. I mean, they, they know what's are. going on. But like, I, it's yeah. not going to make them feel good about someone. Like, these are actors who spent time acting out a video game 
They right. put a lot a lot of physical work into this game as well. That stinks for them too. Like you're really excited for your this community to see your work and it just gets spoiled via some jerks who decided this is their time. Like yeah. You know. Yeah. I think the game's radar story <laughs> summarizes it very very well. It says, quote, there's also no word yet on what sort of legal ramifications these individuals will face. But considering now there's an army of jerks spamming Twitch chats and live streams <laughs> with The Last of Us 2 spoilers, I sincerely hope justice is served piping hot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It's, yeah. But I that's really what's the horrible, I, and this is the thing that I think, you know, kind of what you said is horrible about this, is that there's nothing, there's no way to be totally safe of it, right? The... We were talked earlier about the Assassin's Creed Valhalla painting that Boss Logic was doing. There were people in the Twitch chat posting spoilers of The Last of Us 2 in the Twitch chat for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Really? Yes. <laughs> and and which I missed those, but even there and there was something I actually I've seen one spoiler now because someone responded to a completely not like a PlayStation tweet about Something, nothing to do with The Last of Us, nothing to do with anything, and someone responded to it with a spoiler for The Last of Us 2. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I've been really careful, and what I saw wasn't, for me, I was like, okay, that's fine. It wasn't a big deal. But then when you look at Neil Druckmann's tweets and stuff, he signs off a lot of his tweets now saying, like, don't read the comments or don't look at the tweets, replies to this, because you will get a spoiler. Because everyone for everything he tweets now is putting spoilers in their replies to his tweet, no matter what his tweets are about. And it's just, it's so sad that people get really excited about ruining someone else's experience. It's such a bummer. So, yeah, and it's, I mean, how big of a bummer must it be for Neil Druckmann to say, hey, we're really excited for you to play our game. Now mute all terms related to it. So you can't participate in any of the excitement leading up to the game's release because you're probably going to get spoiled on something. Like, that's got to be really, really disheartening. So I feel very bad for them about that. But yeah, I'm still really excited for the game. I, I just think it's very unfortunate because anything video game related at this point now is kind of, you got to be really careful because even completely non-related video game news is, is getting connected to The Last of Us 2 spoilers and it's very, very unfortunate. It's such, <clears throat> it, it still bugs me that this is something that happens in this community. I don't know that it happens in other communities. I can't say right. that I've seen it. But like we've talked so many times before about how I view spoilers and how you view spoilers and in yep. other people in, in our groups. So imagine even 50% of the people feel the same way I do about having stuff spoiled like that. That's a lot of people that you're just ruining an experience of a, a full huge project that a studio has spent years developing because people just can't chill out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, so that's it for our topics. Uh, we do have a listener question related to our last topic. So why don't you take us through that, Josh? Hey, so Donnie uh, from PSVG at Play Nintendo on Twitter, he wrote us a question. He says, uh, now that we know the leak wasn't from an employee, as early reports, 
Do you think anyone will rethink slash reevaluate using the event to bash Naughty Dog Crunch issues? Also, do you think the plan was always the 19th of June, or did the leak force their hand? Kyle, what do you think about... Let's do the first part. Do you think that uh, people are going to either rethink or reevaluate using the event to bash Naughty Dog's crunch issues? Nope. I think they will use it maybe even more now, because there will <laughs> now be articles that say, despite the leak not being from, why we should still care about. That is what the articles will now be. I think it's opposite. I think that that's going to get washed underneath, and people are going to forget about the crunch. Oh, really? You think so? I think that's what's going to happen. Because do gamers really care about crunch? Yeah, I'm I'm not saying necessarily that the gamers care. I'm saying if if someone were to write an article about it, yeah. I don't think this would dissuade them from writing the article. I think they would just reframe how they wrote the article. So there'll be like one article from Bloomberg, because that's where Shire is now. <laughs> and it's going to be <laughs> yeah. like crunch yeah, probably, tactics. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah, but that is what I think would happen. I don't think it would change anyone from writing the article. They would just reframe it as, even though this wasn't related, why we should still care about Crunch or something like that. That's what I think, at least. Okay, and do you think that they're always planning on June 19th? Or do you think this was pushed because of this supposed... I shouldn't say supposed. It's actual. Because of this actual leak. <laughs> I don't think that the leak pushed there they because when they announced the date was way too close to when the leak happened a company like playstation we have seen in the past does not move that fast they're not that nimble <laughs> they're not that adept i think that they already knew the dates that they knew what ghost of shishimu was moved to and the reason i believe that to be true more than anything is that when they announced the delay initially Neil Druckmann was on the PlayStation podcast now. They changed the name to it to the official PlayStation podcast, not the PlayStation broadcast. He was on that, and they asked the question, is there a chance you could just release it digitally on this date already? And he said, I don't know. It's something we're looking at. Yeah. So I think there was still the possibility that they were not even going to push the digital one, but they ended up deciding to. So I don't know... That, yeah, I think the 19th was the date they were planning on or right around there. I don't think that the leak changed that. What about you? I think that certainly the timing makes people think that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think that it changed it either. I think uh, <clears throat> I think that they were constantly like looking at dates they could use for Last of Us. I think it was already done before they de- right. delayed it previously i think we we were even told as much yep. um so i think that it just was bad timing uh or you know for for the leak versus the announcement in fact they probably already had a date set up to announce uh that date and then they were just like okay we're just gonna say it instead of doing a, a, a an event because we got to get some positive press out Right. So I think it probably had something to do with when it was announced, but not the date that it is coming out. Yeah. The only way I might backtrack on this is if suddenly we find out that the physical editions and the special editions and stuff suddenly aren't available on yeah. the 19th. That would be the only thing. Because my assumption would be that they were able to get their manufacturing issues straightened out, and it got straightened out far faster than they thought it would. So right. they're like, oh, well, never mind. We should be good to go in. You know, we only need to push a couple of weeks, not what we thought might be a couple months. Um, so that is what I think. And I also think, I, I think this date is, 
I, I really think they were trying to do everything in their power to not push things to August and September just because they're trying to avoid new console stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think this was a very con- concerted effort on their part, and I think things just went a little faster than they thought it was going to. So Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, time to wrap the show up, but we obviously need to give you a recommendation for a well-rounded life. We're obviously a gaming podcast, but we want to give you that one recommendation, suggestion, or thing we're currently into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? Kyle, I don't have one. <laughs> that's okay. That happens. I, I was trying to think about anything new. I've con- I, sh- I shouldn't have used two in last week's. that'll happen i should have just done one so i'll say go watch stuber on hbo because (laughs) i gave it like a half-hearted recommendation last week and also go watch middle ditch and schwartz on netflix double plug (laughs) well josh it's funny that you do that because i'm actually plugging doing a double plug as well because the new show that i'm watching the new docuseries i'm watching i'm only halfway through and i don't know if i can recommend it or not yet oh I did start so watching Waco based on your recommendation. And what do you think so far? I was very good, uh, but I tried staying up too late and I fell asleep on like the third episode. So, oh. And Netflix kept playing uh, the episodes. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so I have to figure out where I stopped watching. Uh, but gotcha. yeah, the acting is great. Taylor Kitsch, I-, I can't even tell that it's him. I uh, know, right? He looks like a different actor. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very good so far. Very fascinating. Uh, in fact, it reminded me of... Bad Times at the El Royale. It reminded me of um, Chris Hemsworth, his character, just specifically mm-hmm. that part of the movie, which I'm right. sure they've all, like, that take, took um, stuff from Manson, but uh, yep. obviously knowing this guy was a real guy makes it way more fascinating. Yep. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt your recommendation. <laughs> no, it's okay, because my recommendation still is Waco <laughs> on Netflix, because... Last week I had only I hadn't finished the show yet. I've now finished it. Nice. And it is really good. It's surprising to me because I looked on IMDb and on IMDb it's rated a 7/9 or something like that, which is really really good. Yeah. But on Rotten Tomatoes it got like a 68%. Oh. Which I was really surprised by because I thought this show was absolutely captivating. I really enjoyed it and I haven't stopped thinking about it. Since I almost sat down and just started watching it all over again. <laughs> That's how it, much I enjoyed it. And part of it is just I am someone who really am fascinated by cults and things related to that. I find it very, very fascinating yeah. about those types of people and cult leaders and, and how they're able to um, win people over and how charismatic they are. Like I just find something fascinating about it. So I really wanted to almost sit down and watch it again. I didn't, but... I just really encourage you, if you're not watching Waco on Netflix, to please, please, please check it out. It was interesting because I was playing Call of Duty, like I mentioned earlier, and the person I play Call of Duty with is quite a bit younger than I am, and they had no idea what Waco was. <laughs> yeah. It's not it, – they're, they're like about 10 years younger than I am, so it's not a cultural touchstone for them, yeah. you know, like it is for us. And when I even mentioned Waco <laughs> – I mentioned Waco, and they're like, what about it? I'm like, well, you know, Waco, Texas. And they go, Baylor? I'm like, well, yeah, Baylor's there. But no, the other thing about Waco. And they go, Chip and Joanna Gaines? And I'm like, what? Well, I mean, them too. But no, the other, the thing that Waco was known for prior <laughs> to Chip and Joanna Gaines, and they had no idea what I was talking about. So if you are younger, 
please note that this was something that absolutely captivated the United States yeah. for for months. the early night <laughs> the early months of 1993. Uh, so please, please check out Waco on Netflix. Uh, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at BoardWithVG at gmail.com. We do get those emails you're sending. It's nice to hear from you guys. Also, we tag our stuff with hashtag board with VG. So please use that hashtag as well on all of your social medias. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that stellar rating we speak of. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. At why so serious? That's S I R R I U S. Once again, that's which code. It's out there. If you want it, let me know. Come visit my island. It's fun. Kyle, <laughs> where can people find you? So you can find me on all of the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. One thing I just thought about that we're going to have to address next week, Josh Metaspring is technically over. Because Marvel's Iron Man VR and The Last of Us 2 were delayed outside of the zone for the contest. So even though Iron uh, Last of Us 2 is coming out in June, that's past the last date we said for Metaspring. So we will next week reveal the results for Metaspring. So that'll actually probably be a good chunk of the show. Um, and we'll still do the Quacks of Quidlinburg contest as well. So it's going to be a big prize week next week on board with video games. So be sure to tune in. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.